that's quite sensible, eh? And um, it's yeah. uh, eight in the morning here, and um, I'm in quarantine. And um, oh, yeah. so I'm going to wear my hats, hats today while we talk. So um, in case some of the hits members are watching, and they'll they'll start. Hey, yeah, this is really it's really cool that we can talk. And I know that um, you know I'm launching this podcast this weekend, and um, you know I was saying to people, I, you know I was in China last year, and uh, you know, I, here I am doing a half a billion dollar production and thinking, you know, I could clearly see a pathway for my next 10 years. And, um, and I, but one thing I don't want to do is regret not having the opportunity to share some of my journey with other people. And, um, yeah. and hence the podcast sort of came into it. And I think it's actually right, um, you know, where I've grown up and probably like yours, you know, those you know, one of the things I think that's missing in today's discussion, particularly in our business, is um, is giving time people the opportunity to be silent in front of each other and just uh, <laughs> and um, think about some of the things they're talking about. And uh, and I think podcasting is a is, is one of those. Op- is, is, I'm anti sound bites for a start, and I'm um, you know show reels. Yeah. Have, show reels have a have a purpose, but I think yeah. there's. And I'm finding more and more, and I don't know about you, it's like, you know, and I think one of the reasons, I think we'll talk about it when we talk about hits, is that ability to just work with people that you can um, have these long form discussions about ordinary things. Yeah, and, and, uh, yeah man, I agree. I mean, the podcast is, um, I, I think if it's done right, it's, done, it's a great vehicle. I mean, there's, there's obviously podcasts out there that are edited and chopped up and um, but I mean, if you, you probably listen to Joe Rogan and I mean, that's one of his biggest thing is just, he doesn't edit it. He just lets it roll. And so it's not polished, but you get the true, like the, you get the, everything that you hear is true. Like there's, there's no, it's not chopped up to be misrepresented. So that's, I agree, man. If, if you're going to do a podcast, just let it roll and, you know, nobody will be misled that way. I spent two hours talking the other day with a guy that I started in the business and I was in a cyclone in Dominican Republic. And um, I had to edit out the fact that we had to stop and both go to the toilet and we were in this, and he was in a small room and you could hear the flushing. And I was like, I can't put that in. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> exceptions to the rule for sure. Yeah. Hey, well, look, thanks for coming in. I'm just, I just want to say to our listeners, you know, um, you know, this is Stunstruck, you know, Ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And one of the things that um, I wanted to do when I was the, uh, getting the podcast going, I reached out to some of my friends in the industry and just say, hey, who's out there? And obviously, everybody's interesting, you know. And, but as a way to sort of start, um, I'm really lucky that in the sense that I'm surrounded by people who are not short in um, speaking highly of other people. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. And, uh, you know, and one of the, and, you know, our, our fellow buddy, Brett goes, Hey dude, you need to get, um, Jason and, um, have a chat to him. And, um, and, uh, and thanks for, um, coming on board, man. Yeah, of course. Hopefully I don't, hopefully I don't disappoint after that big recommendation. Oh, well, no, no, it's all good, bro. And so, so I doing a little bit of research into, it and I asked you to send me some stuff. And, um, so folks like, for those of you who don't know, Jason day, he's, um, he's based in Vancouver. And um, he's, I don't really know the geography of Canada that well, but, you know, I did it in geography when I was 10 years old. Jason was <laughs> really? born in southern Alberta and grew up on a farm and went to high school in uh, Fort McLeod. And um, it was just a population of about 3,000 people. Now, that's a small town. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he played all kinds of sports growing up, learned the value of hard work. And uh, I want to talk about that later and, um, at, at a young age. Um, he worked in construction as, in his teenage years, in early 20, jumping into the bar scene as a bouncer and a bartender, then a manager. Wow. And um, when Jason had enough of the nightclub scene, he started home building company with his parents, uh, which they operated for five years before his fight career took him down another path. And I want to talk about that later too. Um, Jason started fighting in 2000. There was the first contact spot that uh, he took part in. Uh, let alone combat sport, and um, 
He took uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu very quickly, but his stand-up game didn't come around until he learned to box a few years later. <laughs> this is interesting. And man, this is and, science. Uh, yeah, man. In 2008, he signed up for the UFC, where he had several fights, a uh, couple of losses in there, and 2011 was hit by a Range Rover. My goodness, he wasn't even auditioning. And um, <laughs> while riding his bike, resulting in injuries to his knees and ankles and which pretty much, um, you know, for those of you fighters out there, that's a nail to the coffin. Um, so he's been a full-time stuntman since 2013. He lives in a small little hamlet of 300 people. So he shrunk, um, you know, the big city. He moved to the small, to the small hamlet in Vancouver. He has two boys, twins, and an amazing wife. And I love the way he talks about his wife there. An amazing wife and the loyal pup, which my... I have to talk about it that way, otherwise I get my butt kicked. <laughs> um, yeah, look, um, now, Jason, you, you, you came into the business. Uh, and nowadays, you know, we've been inundated with young people wanting to come into the business, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and you come in at, um, at a later stage, I guess. When you kind of started, I think I was being called a veteran, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, I, um, I was 30, 33, 34 years old, I think when I, uh, had my first stunt gig. So, um, it's a weird, for most people, probably a weird thing to start a new path in the, what well, was essentially like the middle of your kind of working lifespan, right? Like you will probably work from your twenties to your sixties. And halfway through, um, you know, it was a brand new um, path for me. But um, it's it's uh, it's been great. I mean, it's probably the best, one of the best things that's happened to me in my life. I mean, just uh, from the experiences and the people I've met. And then, um, I mean, it's <laughs> it's such a crazy, crazy career. Like you know this. Like you uh, you work all crazy hours. I mean let alone like middle of the night or uh, early morning. But I mean, you're working <clears throat> sometimes 16, 17, 18 hour days, which is insane. Um, and you, you're having, most of the time you're having fun with your butts. I mean, you're pretending to play fight. You're, uh, you're doing crazy, crazy stuff that, um, you know, you, you kind of do in your teenage years for fun, but you get, you get paid for it later on in life. When you started at 33, I mean, you've had, um, you've had this life that's kind of laid out. Well, you've already had a life in, in, in many ways. You've, you know, you stood in the ring at a professional level. You've, um, just, can you just take me back to, you know, growing up in that small town and also how did you marry that upbringing with what is now what I believe is sounds like something that you really adore the film industry. You know, where did the, where did it kind of start to formulate for you this love of for the arts um, in that perspective? I don't know. It's, it's strange. I mean, throughout my entire life, I've never like I, I, I hated the nine to five. Um, like I enjoyed building construction and that, but I didn't like working for somebody else. I so I, that's what the we we started the business with my parents because. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I've never been that guy that can go to nine to five, work to somebody for somebody else and collect a paycheck. And, um, you know, I guess the stable life, you know what I mean? Mm. And, I, and I don't know what that is. Cause I'm, you know, to be honest, the stud business, this is my stud career is the longest I've ever been in one job. I mean, I'm seven or seven years into it now the longest time I've uh, spent doing one thing. So, um, you know, just growing up on the farm, I think part of the reason I am where I am is because my parents were always supportive and they um, truly said, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. Like they're going to support me no matter what I want to do. Like what parent in the right mind says, yeah, you know, it's a good, good idea that you go and fight. Um, and we had a home building company together. We were doing well with it. And my fight career took off. And they're like, go, go chase your, go, go chase this dream. And um, yeah, and I mean, the fighter life is anything but stable. I mean, it's, uh, 
it's a constant grind. You never know if you're going to get injured. You never know what your next payday is going to be. Um, so, but just the, just that's really getting in the ring is kind of, I guess, the the draw, the combat. The, and like I said, like I never grew up. There's they, I, I played like baseball and basketball, volleyball, all those. We didn't have a football team. Um, I did Taekwondo when I was like seven, maybe for three months. I think what's the Hanututsutne? Is that the, 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 I think that's how you count out. I'll probably butcher that and you're going to get a bunch of emails saying this guy has no idea what he's talking about. Um, but yeah, I think it's just that the fact that I had parents that let me, encouraged me to explore everything I wanted to explore and, uh, and, and venture out. So, I mean, that's in a, in a in a short story that I made very long. I think that's that's what got me to where I am right now. Yeah. Is this, you know, I, when I came here, a lot of people said, you know, you're not going to make it in the stunt business uh, at 33. And um, here I am. I mean, I, I guess I can call myself a stuntman after seven years. <laughs> well, it's so, it's so interesting that um, I, I called myself a stuntman for the first seven years. And in reality, I was doing other things. And um, okay. I liked the title. And um, but what was fascinating for me was, um, you know, we've, we've, for those of you who don't know, uh, Jason and I um, are part of a, a group of people who under the banner of Hits International of like-minded people. And to put it frankly, you know, we just got sick of working with assholes. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty frank. Yeah, and, um, and you know, and it was really a matter of we wanted to recommend people that, uh, that we think highly of, or at least surround ourselves with people that would do the same, that would recommend yeah. people and that, um, yeah, yeah. and, and it was, it's often, and because it's, um, you know, especially in an international community, um, when you're working across borders, you need to be able to recommend people that you know, and, or at least somebody that you know, that you trust. Them. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that really came through was that, you know, um, when you joined HITS, it was like, dude, he's fresh. And then I kind of <laughs> put two and two together and think, well, it's, um, well, he's not fresh because you've got this layers of experience that you've brought into the industry, um, into the, into the business. Can you just talk about you know, how you actually got on your first job? Because that fascinates me. I mean, it's like, um, your, your first job, what was it? Uh, my first job was on, uh, my first stunt job uh, was on a show called uh, Christmas Bounty. And um, I had come out to Vancouver and I was training here for um, uh, MMA for my fight career. Uh, and I'd moved out here. There's a good group of people I was working with. And then um, uh, I got introduced to uh, a guy named Dan Rizzuto, um, who's been in the stunt industry for, I don't know how many years, he's a true, true veteran. Um, but he, he's also a martial artist and uh, he was in MMA. So I started training, hooked up with him a couple times. And then um, after my accident, uh, I went back to Calgary, kind of just uh, thought that, uh, you know, my fight career was done. I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, I was running a bar again and um, it just wasn't the lifestyle for me. So I came back to Vancouver. I started teaching uh, a little bit of martial arts, kickboxing, fitness and uh, jujitsu. And then um, I hooked up with Dan again, and uh, it was weird because I didn't really know or understand the stunt business. Um, it wasn't like I grew up idolizing stunt guys. I, to be honest, like I barely knew they existed. Like it was, it just wasn't something that was in my periphery. Uh, and then I started kind of asking questions, and Dan was like, "Yeah, like this is what I do." And um, I, I went out a couple times uh, and watched. Actually, in Alberta, uh, just before that, I went out to watch at a set. And uh, Jody Stesic, um, he's, an, he's a guy from Alberta stunt coordinator, um, really solid guy too. But uh, Dan actually got me out to do a fight scene. And uh, Christmas Bounty is with um, Ms. Mizan Mike Mizanin, uh, the Miz from the WWE. Mm -hmm. uh, so my first scene was actually fighting him, and he takes a big old table and breaks it over my back and um it was a good introduction i mean the, th the thing i think that really helped me out um as far as breaking into the stunt industry is that uh i think when you reach a level that i did in sports and the combat 
people know that you have that work ethic and that you're, you're not a you're not just trying something new for the sake of it um and the, t- the timing of fighting i think i think you know i mean i think the number one thing uh in being a stuntman is well trust being able to somebody will trust you but timing i mean it's all about timing and uh from a fight career that helped me out so uh i got that break with dan dan brought me on for that show and then um he um i didn't really think much of it i was like ah like that's that was wicked that was fun but like i said everybody was saying you're 33 34 and you're trying to break into the stunt industry probably not going to happen so i didn't think much of it and then i thought i love that why am i not pursuing it and so i started training more with the guys and it's all about relationships and you know i just started training with with the people and showing that i wanted to show up and work hard and then um yeah it just you get your foot in the door and um the more people trust you the more you work wow and how did you uh you know, obviously the fight skills is transferable because I had to go through this myself because I came from a, when I started in the industry, there was a lot of that. Uh, there wasn't so many fights, um, physical related stunts back in the day. It was more about um, the big stuff, you know, crash the car, yeah. j- jump over the cliff and, um, you know. Oh, yeah. And so, um, and the next generation really came through with a lot more of this choreographs, fight action and, um, one of the things I um, really struggled with, and I just want to see your angle on this. Um, I was involved in extreme sports as I was a mountaineer as well. And so I did these things that the consequences were quite, um, um, at times life-threatening, you know, had long-term consequences. And like fighting does, you know, the results of fights can have some really long-term consequences. Yeah. And so I was, t- so I was, I really struggled with, um, bringing that life experience onto the film set because the, some of the skill base was actually necessary for me to function as a, as a stunty, you know, setting up yeah. rigs and um, evaluating the risks. I mean, what was that like for you in terms of, you've got this depth of, as a fighter, you've stood in the ring, you've been knocked out, you've knocked other people out and uh, which is you're putting yourself on the line. Then you come into this industry where it requires that same discipline, yet it's essentially a pre- an industry of pretend, of, of pretend. Pretend, yeah. Yeah, just just t- take us through that because you know you've been in the ring, you've been there. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because I, for you in mountaineering, I don't, I don't know. Like when when you get in the in the cage, you you know you're prepared, and so like I imagine like if you're mountaineering, you you know you're prepared, so you feel that level of confidence, and you know that you can take care of yourself and kind of almost no matter what happens, you, you know, you have the ability to stay safe. Um, and then I think, I mean, when the, the thing that's kind of changed, I, I feel is, um, or for me, the, the difference between, you know, fighting in a ring and fighting somebody on set is you have to trust them. <laughs> you have to trust them not to hit you. <laughs> where in the, where, when you're in the cage, you have to, kind of trust that that guy is trying to hit you so I'm, that's a weird comparison i know but uh it's uh there's a the thing i don't think you know that a lot of guys understand or well, not stunt guys stunt guys understand it but a lot of people don't understand is that there's a huge amount of trust in the stunt industry and um i, I think that is um the number one thing i learned is you have to trust who you're working with you have to trust a coordinator that he he set everything up right. He's designed the fight. He's designed the, the gag properly. Uh, and then you have to trust whoever's in the scene with you that that's going to go, uh, you know, the, the way it's planned. So I think if if I if I drew that a lot the parallel there, I mean, it's it's just a different thing. You have to trust the other person to take care of you. And when I'm in the ring, I have to trust that that he's not. He doesn't have the good intentions. So, um, I mean, the nerves, the nerves are still there, you know, like, I don't know, like mountaineering, like, do you get, do you get those nerves? Like, you know, if you're going to climb a big, big surface or a big face, or is it just like calm? You have to, um, well, if, well, fear causes hesitation. And, um, Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, and, but fear is also your greatest guide. And, um, 
because you know and it, it causes you to prep correctly and um yeah. you know and i was just talking with somebody about this the other day and it was like you know he said do you have a routine on set and i said no i don't and how, how can you be like that if you don't have a routine on set because the routine happens at rehearsal and um yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that's what rehearsals are for that's where i have my yeah. routine on set it's about letting it flow and if i'm and um, I'm often on a film set, I'm operating in um, about a quarter of what we're capable of, of doing. That's what I have to do as a coordinator is to create an environment. So we're operating within a quarter of what we're capable of. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. It makes so, sense. That way we, so that way we have room to maneuver. And uh, so because, you know, it's not a one hit wonder situation. It's um, yeah, you know, we have to allow the changes of the day. And uh, yeah. And, and um, part of that, and part of that is, um, is when you're talking about trust, is really making sure that you have a team that um, that trusts each other, that you can trust, that you create the platform that you can bring out the best in people. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I think that's yeah, huge for coordinators. I mean, you you can't bring in a guy that's gonna disrupt the team, or do you know what I mean like? Um, yeah, you, you you're, you're taking uh, yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. I know. You, have to, you have to you have to bring the right people in to get the job done. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think you know, for me, there's no fear like in stunts. You know, you you can't like you said you can't have fear. Fear causes hesitation. But I think you know the nerves sometimes come in if you're going to do something, uh, you know, a bit gnarly or, uh, you, but the nerves. And that's one thing that did transfer is when you fight, and I've, I had over 40, 40 fights, 45 fights, you learn that the, the nerves are there for a reason. Like if you don't have nerves, then you don't, um, something, something's off. Like every fight I had nerves, but you just realize that those nerves are there to sharpen you. Everything becomes, everything becomes more sharp. Your, your vision, everything, your senses, um, so I think that's important to recognize. If you if you have fear and you're doing stunts, I think you're in the wrong business. That's that's my mm -hmm. yeah my take anyway. Yeah, like the true sense of fear. Yeah. No, I know what you're saying, and um, I yeah, I think we have to go through this journey. And I I say to a few people, I think what I've observed in my time is that. Um, I think stunt people with the right experience, they get to three years and you find a sweet spot in your approach to, to risk. Yeah. Um, you know, the necessary risk in the stunt business, because a lot of the problems we face in the film industry only exist in the film industry. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and, um, and so you find a sweet spot where you can look at any challenge or any, danger that comes across with a sense of um you don't say well no that can't be done you can say well this is how i would do it i mean everything's doable in our business it's just yeah yeah time yeah and money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's time and money and um and it, yeah I think there's it's, always a way yeah there's always a way and I, I think that's absolutely spot on so there's a point where you know fear is no longer part of the equation you're working beyond it and, yeah. um, and I always say to people, you know, if we are doing a stunt and you're bringing up safety, there's something really wrong about the way we've prepped this. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a bit like talking to a soldier about, you know, you know, health and safety in a battle. It's, um, it's, um, we've, we're kind of beyond that a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I mean, yeah, that's what rehearsals, like you said, that's what rehearsals are for. You dial it in. So that on the day you walk in and you know exactly how everything's going to go i mean that's not saying like if there's you know obviously if there's a safety concern you want to bring it up mm. uh you know if something but that's if something isn't right if you're like oh well this is this is different than it was at rehearsal then obviously then you have to figure out well, why that's different um but yeah like you said like if everything is as it is in rehearsal there, there should be no fear it should just there should just be yeah you should be confident yeah, that things are going to go your way. Um, so what's your routine like right now in terms of uh, when you're prepping? 
<laughs> I, I was just, I was watching, um, I actually watched Skyscraper with my kids and uh, yeah. that was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, very cool. It's yeah. <laughs> a great film. And um, you know, you, you were choking Dwayne Johnson out. Um, just um, what kind of prep are you putting into stunt work now? And um, how different is it from when you were in the ring? And uh, obviously your body's different and uh, you, you know. Yeah, I mean, right now, there's no prep. I mean, it were you know, right now it's just maintenance with this whole COVID thing. We've been off work since March, right? But uh, I know that's not what you meant. Um, but it's um, you you're, you you have to with fighting. There was a lot of emphasis on obviously cardio and um, endurance and. Um, with and obviously your your skills and that repetitive but i think with stunts you have to have a little bit broader range um and i think it's more about uh like maintenance body maintenance body preparation um you know you, your flexibility your mobility i think that is becomes a greater uh, asset um well, especially as we age too um I, you know i just turned 41 and i know that uh you know yoga is more important to me than a lot of other training right now. Um, <laughs> just it's just injury prevention because for me, um, and I'm not saying like you can't sharpen your fight skills, but a lot of that fight skills built in. So if I have, you know, if say I only have an hour a day to train or an hour and a half a day to train, I'm going to spend that time taking care of my body. Um, but you know, it um, sounds bad, but you know. I'd rather take care of my body and make sure that I can do it than, you know, sharpen my, my punches. But if you have the time, you should always obviously do both. Yeah. It's, I just rambled. So go ahead. No. You can edit, edit that. <laughs> no way. It's gold. It's, it's gold. Absolutely. You know, it's good to talk to somebody who's over 40, you know, because I was there 10 years ago and it's like, I turned 50 this year and I know exactly what you mean, you know? Oh and, man. Uh, yeah. He, you don't recover. Yeah. I, well, you recover, you're just not as quickly. No, that's right. And uh, the value of preparation is so crucial now. And, um, and uh, one of the things I do love about getting older, and, you know, it's, um, I actually am very aware of what my body needs more now. I know when it needs yeah. work, and I know when yeah. it needs work. When I was in my yeah. 20s, I was... <laughs> when you're in your 20s, your body, your body does it for you. You know what I mean? Like, you get hurt, your body's like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to repair this, but... Like you said, yeah, as you get older, you become the caretaker of your body. You have to be smarter. Um, you know, sleep becomes more important. Uh, your diet, um, like I mentioned, yoga and your your stretching routines, and um, yeah, is becoming much aware. You know, I'm reading all kinds of books. Like, uh, actually, I have Boundless Ben Greenfield. I don't know. Have you heard of Ben Greenfield? No. He's um, I guess he's, he's, he's a crazy biohacker, uh, but he's a personal trainer and like, uh, he does crazy endurance, uh, races and, uh, he was a triathlete. Um, but he is a, the, 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 he is a fitness geek and he wrote a book like here, it's right here. This is literally, it's like an encyclopedia. I'm just here. This is a promo. For oh, Boundless. Yeah. Wow. Maybe I'll get a little, from, uh, you should pay me for that but it's called boundless and it is everything you need to know about optimizing your body taking care of your you know your gut your brain your uh, mm. your joints and um, so that's why I have that is you know when I was 20 in my 20s I wouldn't have cared I'd be like I can eat whatever I want I can do whatever I my body I'm going to recover but um, so, but now, yeah, you, you read big encyclopedias like that to figure out how to make your body last longer so that you can stay in this career for a few more years. Mm. Are your parents still running the farm? Or what, what are they doing? Are they, are they still active? They're uh, retired. Um, yeah, yeah they, um, they live in Lethbridge. They still have the farm, it's, but it's like a weekend kind of. Right. They go out there on weekends and um, I've, I get out there when I can because uh, it's beautiful right in the foothills of Southern Alberta. So you have the Rocky mountains in the background and, you know, wheat fields everywhere. And 
it's just a magical place. But uh, yeah, for the most part, they're retired. Um, but, you know, my dad, he'll never stop working. He's always got projects going on and uh, he needs to keep busy that way, um, helping the family out. Uh, I think I'll be the same way. I can never say, okay, I'm retired. Let's go play golf every day. Um, I, I, I need to be productive. And I guess that's the reason I ask, you know, when, what, how your parents are, because, you know, I always been fascinated with farmers, you know, you and I, and will look up on body maintenance and things like that. Yet these, these, this generation of farmers, you know, they, like your dad, they oh, don't yeah. know what that means. They just keep going and you know, they, you know, they're still putting, pulling calf out of yeah, yeah. Uh, lifting stuff, hay bales, and uh, they just don't stop. You know, the body just keeps going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, they, it keeps going until it doesn't. Yeah. And then, you know, then they have to find a way. Like, if, if you're a farmer or a rancher, um, I should say, like, we never – when I was very young, my parents were ranchers, so we had some cattle um, back then. But um, – my parents had also had a business it was a specialty advertising business and that was the main source of income um so it wasn't like your traditional farm where that where that's where they made their cash but um we ended up uh, you know leasing out the land and, and running cattle for neighbors and that so um but yeah i mean it's funny that you say that because i i'm constantly telling my parents like hey you guys should take this vitamin or you know, make sure you're taking your own, your omegas. Um, and my dad's like, you don't, you let me worry about my nutrition. I'm like, no, no, I'm trying to keep you functioning and like at a high level for as long as I possibly can. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'm always sending them little tips. I just sent them another book called Spark and it's about the value of exercising and uh, how it keeps your mind sharp. So, you know, I feel like I'm becoming the parent. <laughs> I'm like, you take care of yourself. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Because there's the yeah, you know, that generation is. I I think I feel like they're stubborn. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of um, that's really cool. Just in terms of the, like, I'm jumping back and forth a little bit, but the two that uh, all over, it, man. So, like, you're at 41. You've been in the business now seven years. I'm really interested. So, here you are. You're probably reading a very different book from. Um, from people who have been in the same length of time in the industry, you know, like you've probably, you're probably yeah. training with some under 30, under thirties. I take it. Oh man, there's in Vancouver, there's so many talented young kids. Uh, I mean, I didn't call them kids, but they're, you know, mid twenties, um, late twenties. They're still a kid to me. Um, that's sad to say. <laughs> I just realized that that is sad. Um, but there, yeah, there's so many, and they, they recover, you know, they, uh, late nights don't bother them. And, um, yeah, you, you kind of, yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I, I got off track there. I don't know what the question ended up being. Uh, just, yeah, different, different books. Yeah. Yeah. They're reading different books and they, um, you know, are, are they, like, as I said recently uh, to a bunch of people, you know, I'm looking to that generation now for ideas because they're the ones pushing themselves. Yeah. And, um, and um, you know, you and I are of that, we're, we're generation X and Y. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've had, um, I've, I've spent 25 plus years in the business now and you've spent seven, which to me in some ways, how a, a seven-year-old, a seven-year before, stuntman who started at 33 is a very different person from a person who's done it for seven years from their twenties and, um, from their early twenties, you know, you see things differently. Um, yeah. um, you know, you have a lot more, um, experience that you can fall back on. And I guess you've probably a lot of your experience being tampered with, um, with a lot more life's challenges, I guess you could say. And, um, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's just part of life and um, part of, uh, yeah, life experience. I mean, and that's another thing in this industry. I think life experience is huge. I mean, uh, I wouldn't be anywhere near where I'm at if I didn't have the, you know, I spent 13 years 
as um, a part-time martial artist, part-time fighter, and a professional fighter. So, I mean, that's that's a long time to be grinding that out. And I think you you realize, I think you have, a when you get to this age, you have a better appreciation for hard work and, and what where it can actually get you, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't, maybe maybe not because I, I I I always believed in hard work so maybe it's just yeah. me judging young kids at this point. <clears throat> I'm a judgy person. <laughs> On that note, uh, I'm, I'm kind of keen to find out about um, you know obviously being in a, in a you you miss fighting I can tell I, mean, I think there's certain aspects of fighting that you miss um, but you know in stunting now. I'm looking down the barrel of the next few years and probably to some extent now, you, you're part of like that fight you did with Dwayne Johnson required some choreography, obviously. And, um, and you've obviously worked with other shows. Are you seeing like a, a pathway evolve for you in terms of that sector, like um, fight choreography and the way you'd approach it, having had your background that you have? As far- uh. It's funny because uh, fight choreography is, it's never been really on my radar. Right. Um, there's so many talented, I mean, when, uh, and like, I've, I guess I've maybe, it's, I've just had the opportunity and privilege with, to work with so many talented uh, fight choreographers that I'm just, my martial arts background is like, jiu-jitsu kickboxing boxing um and then i've you know as i as i go along you i picked up a little bit of filipino martial arts and that but it is i think to be a great fight choreographer you i need a broader range of uh, a broader arsenal to draw from that's just how i see it i I wouldn't want to be i wouldn't want to call myself a fight choreographer if i didn't have all the tools and i think um, you know, right now I'm training and trying to learn and take everything everything in to be a fight or to be a stunt coordinator. Um, and I know that choreography, fight choreography is part of that, but I think um, I can handle the basic fight stuff, but, but I don't see fight choreographer um, as a path in my future. I think there, there's just so many, so many talented guys out there that um, I, 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 uh, I wouldn't do, wouldn't do it justice if that makes sense. So you, I, I think equally you, your life experience sort of tells me that, uh, also that you could pursue coordinating and that's something that would fall naturally to you based on your, I mean, you've been in the leadership role, obviously in the organizational, uh, yeah, position. it's fight, uh, stunt coordinator is definitely, uh, more of a draw to me it's more it feels more something i'd be more comfortable with and more i i do uh, i tend to naturally try to take the take leadership roles and try to lead and um you know brett's been great and and get me get me trained up and um i mean there's still like i've only been in the industry seven years so there's still you know so much that i need to learn before i can i can step into that role too i mean i think you should you know, experience every kind of stunt and, um, you know, you, you should know how to rig uh, every kind of stunt uh, before you even get, get the chance to be a, a, a stunt coordinator. And I, I, I'm just trying to take it all in and learn uh, uh, from everybody around me as I go. Mm-hmm. But that's, I see, I can see that on the horizon. I don't know how long in the future, but I, I think I, I enjoy performing and, um, I hope I can perform as long as I can, um, and then just slowly work my way into the, into that realm, into the coordinator realm. There's definitely one thing that I'm seeing now: um, a new wave of performance coming from guys, particularly getting into that later stage of late 30s, early 40s, and into their 50s now. A lot more guys are really enjoying performing, um, yeah. largely because they've had to, and the challenges the, the challenge they're facing is. Um, learning to act, be in character, because, you know, that yeah. maturity of their face really translates well on screen. And, yeah. uh, and the more people I'm talking to, they're realizing they're, they're, they're taking on 
more acting type roles. And, uh, and I think the industry is actually responding really well to it. Like just about every action movie now, we're putting forward stunt people who've got, who can pull a line or two together and um, be in the same room. And yeah, so, yeah. Which is really cool. I think, um, um, I think you're dead on on that. I think, I mean, not even for, I mean, for, I think for every stunt guy having at least a little bit of acting training, um, an ability to act is essential. Cause I mean, you, unless you're a stunt double, um, where we don't want to see, you know, you don't want to see your face. You just want to see you get smashed into the wall. Mm -hmm. Um, but for a lot, a lot of the time, uh, stunt guys are in the scene, whether you're furry in the back, fuzzy in the background or whatever, but, I think the ability to be in the scene um, just adds, you know, it's nothing worse than you're watching a massive fight scene. And then you see, you see one guy in the very background kind of just like just waiting for his turn to get hit basically. Um, But if you (laughs) see, you know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So I think, I think um, acting is definitely a, a good skill to have. And, and I'm, I've taken lots of acting lessons and um, uh, I've pursued acting for a bit as well. Um, and I, I think that's been another thing that's, that's helped me out because uh, I enjoy being in the scene. I think it's been really useful. Um, I work with a few stunt people who've had acting, who started as actors, but found stunting way better. And, um, mm-hmm. and who, especially in that assistant role, they've really been great in terms of bridging um, especially in choreography, um, working with actors particularly, because they understand the psychology of acting. And, yeah, yeah. And, the, and it's, it's, a, it's a really neat tool. And I, I keep that a lot in mind now when we're hiring people. I mean, who, who are the actors here? And uh, especially at that sort of management level of a department to, uh, to bridge the action. I mean, as a cohort, you know, you just can't be everywhere. And you're, more things now are very specialized. Uh, we need specialized riggers, people who write wires and there's um tricking's become a really big deal right now and uh, it's it's insane wow and um i've been in a job recently where um and i think it's well not just recently in the last two years since the explosion of netflix and streaming Yeah. We're seeing a lot more people come through the system, not, not necessarily not in stunts, but in terms of content uh, requirements. But well, I'm seeing a lot of new people arriving in key positions um, very quickly. A, a lot more younger, what do you call it, decision makers in terms of production. And yeah. um, I've realized that I'm a 50-year-old guy talking to somebody who's just signed my contract, who's, who's been in the industry for seven years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and um, how is it? How is it working out with um, um, you starting? I'm, I'm just, and I'm sorry for going down this path a little bit because it, it fascinates me. Because I'm, one of the things I've tried to do with this podcast, I really want to be speaking to um, to to twenty to eighteen to thirty year olds because I think there are. I love that generation because they. Um, uh, I'm making a lot of decisions that affects them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but you and I, um, and that, and they're looking to our generation and kind of going, well, that's where I'm going to be soon, or in some cases sooner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm finding that now with uh, streaming, there's a lot more opportunities arising for these, not only younger stunt people, but also younger UPMs and line producers and things like that. And we live in an age of um, political correctness and all those other things that are coming into the. But how, how do you how do you find it with like um, just within the stunt community? Um, I mean, in terms of the language that's been used, uh, in um, in terms of sharing ideas, um, do you, do you see an issue with that? Are we still pretty much um, an open department? Are we seeing a lot more political correctness coming to the stunt world? Um, I just want to ask you because you're a different generation from new people coming in. Yeah. Um. I don't, I mean, there, there's, to some extent, there's the political correctness. Um, I think in the stunt world, though, um, the stunt world is a different world because safety is paramount. 
so I'm just trying to be careful how, how I word this. <laughs> um, I, th I think you'll see, I think we're seeing in other departments a lot more, you know, uh, uh, the pr political correct um, initiatives, uh, you know, uh, you know, equal, equal opportunity, which, um, you know, I'm all for equal opportunity in that. Uh, but sometimes it does lead to the wrong person getting that the wrong job mm -hmm. um, just because they check some boxes. Um, but in the stunt world, um, it's not, I, don't, I don't believe it's as prevalent. I think safety always has to be number one. And if you're a good coordinator, that will always rule. I mean, you know, um, obviously um, through the years, color has been an, an issue. Uh, you, you know, you don't want uh, color. Well, I shouldn't say color and gender. Like you don't want a guy doubling a girl. Um, you don't want, um, you know, a, a white guy doubling a person of color. Um, but that being said, um, if there's a stunt for a, if there's a, a you need a stunt double for um, a, a woman and there's no women around that can do that particular stunt um, properly, you know, you, you have to go with a guy or, or, or vice versa. If there's, you know, if you, that, because there's, you know, on, um, uh, we have Devin Dalton who, uh, she, she's, um, she's quite short. And so she gets to double kids a lot and she's talented. And so sometimes she's, she doubles, um, young, young boys, uh, and, um, you know, so it swings both ways, but I think, uh, the thing that stunts has going for it, and I'm not saying that political correctness is, you know, all, all bad now, but I think it can run amok. But for stunts, as long as it's the, the coordinators is saying safety is number one, and I'm not going to budge on this. This is who I need to do this job. I, I, I think that's kind of taking precedent. No, that's right. Is that going to get me in trouble? Yeah, no. I guess the core of the question: Do you do you see a sense of pressure coming from newcomers into the business in, in your in your area? Uh, perhaps do you see an op? Um, I'm just really nervous right now that there's people who are going to take advantage of the current frame of thinking. Uh, I know there's perhaps um, you know there's going to be some minorities out there and people who. Versus, I want the job, you know, who are going to put themselves forward and present themselves in such a way. And, um, yeah, you, you see it, you see it, uh, you, see, you see it all the time. Um, you know, you can't take, I don't, I don't think it's right to take advantage. I don't know what I'm doing with this. I'll just stop waving it. Um, <laughs> but it's not right. I'm just getting all, uh, but it's not right to take advantage of a situation. You know, yeah. it's not right to take advantage of, of a, of, a, of a political um, of a political position. I don't know if you hear my kids going crazy. Sorry about that. Um, but and it, I think it happens more so. I think it happens more so uh, in in other roles, like uh, you know, higher up the chain. Um, I th but I don't see, I don't see in the stunt industry people being put forward that shouldn't be put forward. At least in my experience, I, I think. Uh, you know, in Vancouver, um, the right people for the job are always pushed forward and given that job. There's lots of younger guys that are learning to coordinate, um, and I think that's great. Um, but, the, you know, I think you still have to put, put in your pay your dues and, and, and put in the time and, um, and dance around that. How about that? Yeah. No, <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying, though. Yeah, like... No, look, I get what you're saying completely. Because, and, I, and I guess, you know, I think it's a discussion that needs to happen at, you know, at our generation, you know, because we, um, I mean, I've, I've developed a career that's over 25 years and my, I've never doubled another Fijian person. And, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, for a start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've doubled, I've done African-Americans, you know, I've had to be colored. And uh, I've doubled, um, you know, natives of different countries. I've doubled Mexicans and all sorts of people. I've even doubled a white guy, Calvin Smith, and that. And oh, yeah. uh, you know, they had to paint me white because none of the none of the Caucasian stunties around wanted to do it. 
And uh, because it was yeah. my dumb idea to say it can be done. So the second unit director goes, well, you can do it. And, uh, <laughs> Get yourself a job. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. And, yeah. um, you know, and that's, um, you know, but that was common sense uh, happening at that particular time. And, um, and, and I'd hate to see that go. And, and I, I'd hate to see that go. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, you know, there's a time and place um, for it, but I think um, in the end, uh, like I, I keep saying, safety is number one, and whoever can do the job should should do the job. Um, we're we're all here for the same goal: is yeah. to make you know a fantastic TV show or a fantastic movie. We want it to look good, and we want it to be safe. So. You know, so sometimes you have to put your foot down and, and, and say, sorry, I, I don't care about your political correctness. This is how it's going to happen. And this is the this is the person for that job, uh, regardless of race or gender um, or uh, any other factor. Mm. I, um, I was on a job uh, a few years ago and um, we, a wonderful actress was a size 16. You know, and um, finding a size 16 stunt woman is really hard. You yeah. know, you can do stair rolls and take hits. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and you're caught in a tough place, you know, the, the, you know, the size 12 stunt woman, you know, you still had to put a fat suit on. And that's a terrible thing to walk on set with, you know, to put a. Uh, Again, safety. Well, yeah, terrible thing to walk on a set with uh, and just the. Uh, yeah yeah you know it's, I like the the way it, it looks it, it's and really plus tough. safety yeah and i did a global search at that time and it was really hard to find an available double and um i actually went and had a drink with the with the actress and i said look you need to get one of your relatives to be your stunt double because um you're gonna make it <laughs> and uh, and you're gonna have to carry a stunt double with you who's gonna you know who's gonna be your fit and yeah, uh, yeah but I need your permission for me to get one of the guys to double you. And, uh, and she said, can it be Andy? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. She actually said, can it be Andy? And I think I'm surprised you're even having this discussion. I thought he'd be my perfect double. And, oh, uh, that, crazy. and that actually came from her and it was kind of like, whew, you know, yeah. and I'm just, and I'm just so glad that, um, you know, that we live in a world where those discussions can still happen. And, um, and it was most, um, you know, we had a great laugh on set for those few days. It was just absolutely, yeah, yeah, it was really cool. And um, we got some really good action out of it. And yeah, I'd, um, you know, and you know, it was achieved and it was well done, but we did our, but to get to that point, we, we, we did our best in Dharma's. And I think when I reflect on that, you know, one of the things that's, um, you know, I guess that um, if, we, if we were to call it a success is that we, we gave it a good shot. You know, yeah. we did, we yeah. gave it a good shot. And I think, you know, and, and I think that's something we probably should encourage. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's all you can do is you can, you can try your best to find the right fit. But I mean, and like you said, like we're, we live in a world where that conversation can still happen. And I think, and I truly believe this, I think that is true for 90% of the population. I mean, 90% of the population is like, yeah, we understand common sense. We understand that, uh, you know, like you said, like it only makes sense that this guy doubles this woman because it's the the man for the job. It's like the woman for the job. Yeah. Um, but I think there is that ten percent. Maybe it's even smaller. Actually, they make so much noise and you know stomp their feet and cross their arms and get so upset. This would probably get me in trouble. But they get so upset that they make that you know that they make waves and they you know it's the squeaky wheel. It's like oh well, and then again it's just about how it looks. And, you know they're gonna go to the press. They're gonna do. They're they're gonna make enough stink about it uh, that it's gonna look bad. But I think for the most part, I think we can have that discussion. Ninety ninety percent, ninety five percent of the time, you can have that discussion with an actor or. Um, whoever, whoever you're, whoever, whatever situation you're in, but yeah, there, 
There's my rant, Augie. No, that's great. And I think we're going to have to stop there talking about that because I think we, we're going <laughs> around in circles. I yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. Hey, great to get your insight on that. And, um, you know, we're coming up to an hour chatting. It's time's flying so fast. And, um, yeah. and before we kind of end off, I just two things I want to touch base on. And um, uh, one is very personal to you. And obviously, our listeners would be interested. In, and the other one is the community that we're part of. Um, I want to talk about Webby. Um, right. And not just the, uh, what Webby is. Oh, there you go. Just about Webby is, but, you know, why it's kind of fitted into what you're doing because i think that's kind of really a, a big one for um uh, you know t tell us about what it is but also um when did it start and um uh, it's i guess it's a little bit like me in the podcast why did i start it and it is um yeah it's uh, well, it's exactly that like i sometimes ask myself like how did i get to this spot um so the the webby the webby is a circular agility ladder uh you know if any athlete if you've done any training uh for footwork and that you know agility ladders just that you take a ladder laid on the ground basically for footwork and it was 10 or 11 years ago when i was uh, working with a movement coach uh tanya lee she had me like hopping around this hula hoop for footwork for fighting and uh you know i was kind of going on all these different angles and i was like well this would be a lot you know, easier to, to know which angles I'm hitting now uh, if I had like a clock pattern or a, a, like a circular agility ladder. So that's kind of where the idea spawned from. And then um, over the years, it's just, you know, I got, like I said, I got my accident. So I, I kind of put it on the shelf and then I kept coming back to this, this idea because <clears throat> it's something I truly believe in. I, I truly believe that this uh, product is, something that can really help athletes athletes uh and you know weekend warriors and um i'll, I'll get into the like the seniors and the and the mind thing again later but um i just kept on coming up with all these different prototypes and my dad was always like calling me hey what about this and finally I came up with the design i got patented and um now i have it out of the market and uh i you know boxers and kickboxers and football guys everybody's eating it up which is great so it's slowly kind of getting momentum and uh and building but uh it's funny because <clears throat> it is i never started this to think that i was going to become a millionaire off of it which don't get me wrong i've only sold 800 of them so far so um but i started it because i believed in the tool to help people train and I, th I think it's a better tool uh, than the regular agility ladder um, or, or other things out there. And it gives people uh, a visual to, to, to move in different patterns. Um, and the very cool thing is um, I just had this 69-year-old personal trainer uh, from Texas, and he bought one. And he literally texts me every day. And he's like, this thing is the best thing I've ever bought. And, and, he go, and he just elaborates. He goes, you know, as you age, as you, as you get older, you only walk forward and backwards. You only do linear patterns. And he's like, with this, if you can get, you know, uh, anybody with 55 plus starting to use it now, as they age, they'll keep that range of motion and their balance and stability will be great. And then he's the one that told me to buy this book, Spark. And it's how you, different patterns fire the different sides of your brain now, which create, increases brain function. And so... In a very long story, which I like to make things long, apparently, it's a circular agility ladder that that I launched and that, that I'm actually selling now, and I, and I got uh, I'm getting lots of traction with it. Um, but again, it's like you said, like why did I start this? I started it because I believed in it, and that I believe. Uh, like I, I honestly, I just wanted to get it out there and see people using it, and now now people are using it. And it's great, and I just. I just want to start now that I know the factory about, you know, um, the aging population. I'm like, well, now I really want to develop programs for that because uh, my parents are in that, in that age group and I want to see them stay mobile. And, you know, I, one of the biggest fears of seniors is falling and breaking, uh, you know, uh, anything because that's, that's not good. Uh, so that, that's another path I'm going to go down and, and, um, but don't get me wrong. I'm not all sunshines and rainbows. I want to make money too. 
I want to make money off it because it's, it can't just be a, 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 a project of passion. Absolutely. And what, you can get that on Amazon or something? <clears throat> yeah, right now I'm available on Amazon in the States and Mexico and uh, it should be on Canada in the next couple of days. And I'm working on getting it over uh, in Europe in the fall. And um, it's just everything takes money, man, this world. Uh, it is very easy to see why people who have money make more money. You just, you just, you know, if I, if I had the money, I could get this thing throughout the world and I can get it marketed. And, um, but the rich just kept, keep getting richer. And, um, I'm just, I'm just trying to feed the boys. (laughs) Those of you don't know, Jason has two, two boys, twins. What a handful, what a great handful it is too. And a dog. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys could hear them. They're not happy a few minutes ago. <laughs> they woke oh, up. Oh, that's nap. awesome. Hey, um, and, and I appreciate it. And um, when we started this, we talked about the fact that Jason and I are um, a member of a group called Hits International. Um, it's a collection of people who don't like to work with assholes, basically, and um, but work with, you know, they're assholes, good assholes. And, yeah, um, <laughs> proper, proper assholes. No, and um, so... Um, what was your relationship to Hits? How did you get in? Uh, and just how did you end it up in the group? Um, well, Brent Chan, uh, who uh, is one of the founding members, um, yeah, I worked right. with him. Yeah, yeah, I work here in Vancouver with him. And um, he's had me out on a couple shows and, um, you know, just kind of developed a relationship. And um, like I said, he's been trying to help me come along in the stunt coordinating portion of my career and um yeah you know it's just I always liked I started I started bugging him I started asking him like well what's what's hits all about like tell me more about this like who is it and and what do you guys do and because he's going away he's going to like South Africa uh you know he's shooting warrior over there he's going to uh where were they shooting um I can't even remember the name of it he's gonna kill me now no he's everywhere Uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's been shooting in China, Malaysia, uh, you know, uh, Hungary. And um, he's just like, well, it's, it started off as, you know, a registry for for uh, international stunt guys and then kind of um, morphed and became a, a group of stunt guys that, you know, want to look out for each other. And, you know, it's funny. Okay, here's, here's a quick story. You called me the other day and I'm like, oh, Augie, like we because we, we never really talked before this. And um, you're like, hey, yeah, man, I just got back from Fiji and we got shut down for a little bit. And then the first thing that went into my mind, I'm like, oh, maybe he's going to hire me and take me to Fiji. <laughs> like, I want to go to Fiji. And then, in, um, but then it was even better. I got, I got to do this podcast. Um, um, but uh, yeah, so Brett, I kept, kept bugging Brett. And I'm, I'm like, you know, I, um, I, I, I just, I, I like the idea. For me, I like the idea of being able to experience the world. And I like, like you said, I, I like to work with good people. And I think another thing is I would like my kids to see the world. And if um, it, it's a weird thing, but if I get to go and, and work, you know, I went to South Africa last year to work on um, Warrior. And it was, it's just, an eye-opening like if you've never been to South Africa you your eyes become open to other issues in this world and other cultures and um, I, I just I want to experience more of that and I hope I get to travel uh, you know more around the world and I, and I hope that I'm in areas long enough that I can bring my family and I, I want my kids to grow up not just thinking that Canada is the way life is because Canada is not the way life Canada is the way life is for us but it's very different everywhere. And I, and I want them to see that and I want them to experience it. And, um, you know, that's not, that's obviously not the main reason, but the fact that, you know, HITS is international and I want to work and grow um, with people all over the world. Mm. Uh, you know, that was the big draw for me. That's really awesome. And one of the things I think, you know, just to uh, concur and with what you're saying, you know, I've got a 17 year old girl and a 40 year old boy and, um, uh, I'm not encouraging them into stunts. I'm encouraging them to do whatever, you know, 
mm-hmm. you know, to do what they want to do. And um, I, I, yeah. what was in the back of my mind is that if they ever choose to pursue film work and in particular stunts, that, um, you know, I, I need to create a, a culture and have surround myself with people that will, that they can go to and, uh, yeah. you know, they can look up to. And, you know, and one of, it was one of the motivations for the 18 to 30 year old, because that's, that's the generation they're looking to immediately. And then there's like yourself and other HITS members and the people that we're in a relationship with, they'll potentially be their future employers. Yeah. And uh, you want them to be people of value and high standard. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I agree. It's good. Yeah. It's good to have that network of good people. Yeah. And uh, hey, well, look, I think on that note, you know, I've, um, you know, we've sort of, it's our first conversation and I want to be able to revisit um, further conversations with you down the line. We're going to set up a studio in the garage at home okay. and, um, and maybe when, actually when we're on set next together, we'll, uh, we'll set up an across the table chat and see what's happened since our last discussion. And yeah, man. Let's <laughs> do it. Really cool. and, uh, yeah, and we'll put a little plug in, in, the, in the link as well for Webby. Uh, oh, appreciate it. That will be really cool. And um, hey, um, Jason Day, amazing. And um, we'll, um, we'll pick it up in the near future and um, see what life is bringing along. And um, yeah, thanks for your time. Yeah, of course, man. I mean, good luck in quarantine. How many more days do you have? Ooh, another, another, well, another eight days, I think. Uh, two weeks. <laughs> but I'm in the pool. crazy now. world we live in. I'm in You're the in the what? in Auckland it's flash and um, you know the government is paying for everything we're a small country and yeah. uh, I can't so, complain do you have to stay in your hotel room oh I can, can go you... downstairs and there's they've in the dancing room they've set up a gym there for us and um, you can go outside for a smoke but you can't leave the premises I mean it's um, it's not a prison but it's you yeah. know I, I, I like I like the outdoors I want to go hunting because my mates keep sending me pictures of them <laughs> The deer they shot last night, and I want to be out there. Yeah, yeah, man. That's never, never mind. Yeah. All right. Hey, bud. Hey, thanks. Take care, eh? Yeah, man. Great, great chatting with you, and uh, let's hopefully we do it again soon. Okay. I'm stop recording. That's cool.